This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us Again, freetalklive.com. Mark is out for the entire week. He is vacationing down in Florida with his wife and child, so good for him. He deserves a vacation. And and it takes two of us to replace him. (laughs) So we go to your phone calls to start things out. Brian is on the line in New Hampshire. Wow, Brian in New Hampshire. Brian on the amp line. Hey, Brian. It's a new caller. No, it sounds like Brian in Colorado. We, uh, We know that you were on your way, and apparently you arrived safely yesterday. Yes, I did. I uh, I uh, passed through Keene, your lovely area, and dropped off some cargo, and uh, and then uh, came straight out here. And let me tell you that uh, the free staters who are on the ground already here, you just can't you can't buy those kind of people in the store. I mean, I as I was coming in, I put a, a call out to Porcupine four one one, and uh, Nick uh, there was kind enough to put the address and a link on the map on the uh, a couple of forums for let me, me stop so. down for a moment and explain to someone who might be brand new what exactly is uh-huh. going on here uh you are a member of the free state project you're one of twenty thousand people that will be moving or has moved here to new hampshire in order to become activists for liberty in our lifetime and in order to help make the moving process a little smoother for people considering it's pretty stressful uh when you arrive here in new hampshire if you announce your arrival in advance usually on one of the web forums like uh, nhfree.com or forum.freekeen.com you announce your arrival and then people will show up to help you unload your truck now you usually have to provide beer and pizza but there will be a whole bunch of people waiting for you and more than happy to lift all kinds of heavy things out of your uh, your vehicle and move them into your house. And that's what you experienced, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't just that. I mean, you know, people showed up. I mean, I, I was a little worried. You know, I thought my, I might get a couple of people. But it, it was just all of a sudden, boom, there's a bunch of people here. Uh, and and I, I counted 20 at, uh, at the end. And, wow. you know, it took me a month. To fill up that, you know, I, my family, I mean, a month to fill up this trailer. And <laughs> it was, I don't know, 45 minutes or something to unload it. <laughs> but, but, you know, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just, you know, you could hire 20 people. I wouldn't have hired 20 people, but, you know, four or five people maybe. But you could hire them. But, but uh, you know, then you'd have to say, oh, put this there and put this there. And where do I put this? And, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, is there a broom somewhere? But it wasn't that way, this. It was like all this stuff needs to go in the garage. And that was it. And and they figured it out. It, it's it's just a different caliber of people who are who are interested in liberty. They're just they're smarter and better looking. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I just didn't have to worry about it. All of a sudden, this stuff just starts coming off, you know. Wow. And uh, now the garage is full, and um, I'm uh, starting to rebuild this mess that uh, that I'm calling a house here. Very cool. And and so, how long did the festivities continue after you arrived? Would you get here yesterday around two o'clock or something? Yesterday at two o'clock, yeah, and then, and then oh, I don't know uh, till uh, it got you know dusk. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> the it, it, it was, the party lasted a lot longer than the unloading. <laughs> Good uh, conversation, I imagine that sort of thing. Oh, it was, you know, it was wonderful, you know, and and uh, you know, plenty of people uh, carrying uh, sidearms, and <laughs> uh, I'm sure a lot more carrying concealed, and just you know the the, the kind of people you want to hang around with. We, we all sat around and drank beer and ate pizza, and you know, for a hundred bucks in pizza and beer. 
you know, I had uh, all my stuff unloaded. Now, as an example of something I've cited often on this program, and that is that when you move here to New Hampshire as a, as a pro-liberty activist, there you have to really be choosy about what you go and do because there are multiple things frequently available simultaneously. And so uh, I, I thought maybe that turnout was going to be pretty poor at Social Sundays, which is a weekly event that we have here in, in the Keene area where people just come and hang out and drink beer and, have, and you know, enjoy each other's company. And I figured, well, there's going to be a low turnout. I knew for a fact that uh, the Cannings were heading over your way to help you out. And so I thought, well, there's barely going to be anybody this week. And 16 adults turned out and four kids. Uh, so there was 20 people at Social Sundays this week. And you had 20 people at your event. So it really just goes to show there's, there's so many activists to spread around. It's just amazing up here. Well, I, I think that's the key word, activist. I mean, activism isn't, you know, standing on a, on a street corner necessarily. It isn't just standing on a street corner or, you know, running for office. It's, it's, it's helping out people, being active, doing anything to, to get people here. Three years ago, you know, when people were just starting to come here, people probably did have to travel across the state in order to help others move in. But at this point, there are so many people concentrated in different areas. You really don't have to go that far out of, you know, out of your way. I really wanted to go and, and help you out. But at the same time, I wanted to be here for Social Sunday. So I made the choice to stay here for that. And turns out you still had more than enough people show up. So well, it's... Well, I, I, I appreciate that. The, the, yeah, we had a couple of people show up like uh, at quarter to three and the place is empty and, and we're having pizza. <laughs> Wow! So if you show up late, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't need to help. But hey, come on, let's party! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we learned that lesson once. We were like 40 minutes late for an unload, and it was all done by the time we got there. So it's just a, not only are these people just awesome, but they're incredibly efficient uh, as well. So, any other observations about your trip and your arrival? Well, uh, I, I haven't had a shower yet, but that's uh, maybe <laughs> oversharing because you know the, the shower doesn't work here. But uh, I, I, let me tell you, I have I have not uh, had a smile go off in my face since I got here. I mean, it's just such a good feeling to be here and and uh, you know on the ground and ready to you know move forward and and start bringing ourselves liberty. Yeah, except you've got to do what three more uh, three more loads across the country or something like that. Yeah, but I'll be smiling as I come back every time. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you for the call and the update, and uh, congratulations on making the first step officially here into New Hampshire. It's great to be here. All right, take it easy. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And he mentioned Porcupine 411. Didn't really explain that. I should probably mention what that is. It's a it's a neat little system set up by uh, the guy that runs HomelandStupidity.us. And the way it works is you can phone into this number. It's a local New Hampshire area code number. You leave a message, and then it distributes it within seconds from you hanging up. It distributes it to as many email addresses are in the system. So it could be hundreds. It could be hundreds of people that instantaneously receive a message from you. So it could be used in an emergency situation if you were encountering the police or something like that and you wanted to get the word out about that. Or it could be used, again, it is called Pork 411, so it is primarily an informational service to where Brian called that number on his way in to let people know when he was going to be arriving in order to better coordinate what time people were to show up. And so how handy is that? And it costs you nothing. I mean, it's just very cool. In fact, you can get signed up for it at 411.nhfree.com, which uh, makes things even handier. 800-259-9231. We go to Dave in Athens, Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Now, What's on your mind? sound good tonight, but it'll probably not be, but 
Government programs such as VVR and HUD, how do you feel about them? Uh, government programs I'm against. Okay. I think things should be done on a, a voluntary basis. Yes, I remember President Reagan wanting to eliminate VVR years ago. Well, it's, there's a big difference between wanting to do something and actually doing something. And President Reagan certainly talked a good game about small government, but sure. didn't actually do anything about it. Yeah. In fact, he increased the size of government by approximately 69% uh, during his eight years. At least that's uh, according to Harry Brown. Yeah, and I remember, I remember when Reagan was running in, in 1980, he, uh, he was all appalled. The deficit at the time was $800 billion. $800 billion, this terrible deficit. It sounded like a lot of money. And now what is it? Nine trillion plus? Not even wait including. the deficit or yeah, the, the the debt the, the federal deficit yeah okay oh, I'm sorry yeah you're right the national the debt. debt yeah the deficit was was up there too but the national debt at the time was about 800 billion wow I don't real I didn't realize it grew that fast it, between it, and the, during the Reagan points. administration it grew very quickly. Okay, thank you. Guys. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate right. the call and the question. Yeah, government programs, even if they're even if it's a government program that appears on its face to be helping people. For instance, some welfare programs probably end up helping some people that need money or that need assistance. Even if it appears to be on its face doing something beneficial, there's no reason why those beneficial things couldn't be done on a 100% voluntary basis in the in the free marketplace. And that's the idea that I'm a, I'm a fan of. So let's find ways to shift the current coercive authoritarian model of government to a voluntary uh, model. Yeah, and many times the the benefits that are perceived to come from government programs, it's a very shallow perception. If you actually dig into it even a little bit, you can see the unintended consequences that they create. The More waste. on the way here. 800-259-9231. Prison ships, that might be an unintended consequence. We'll talk about that here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click download. They are yours for free at freetalklive.com. And get your limited-supply Porkfest beer mug and drink responsibly with Jason Osborne from Sakel CAI, featuring select microbrews from New Hampshire, margaritas, guest celebrity bartenders. Now, have both of you guys been roped into tending bar yet? I have not, yet. The fun tent? Si, senor. Okay, you have. We'll have to sick Jason on you, Nick. If you're going to be there, are you attending Porkfest? I will be Friday and Saturday, yep. Uh, Excellent. Well, the fun tent is going to be the place to be. Uh, In addition, there are going to be prize drawings, because you know how he is. This is the same Jason Osborne that gave away... A, a free talk live engraved custom iPod, just wow. because he wanted to, he gave it away at the the Liberty Forum. I have a special request: What's Gr- that? girls on trampolines. You <laughs> might have to provide the trampoline, but it, who knows? I mean, <laughs> with enough cash, I'm sure somebody would would probably jump up there. Okay, it's a fun tent. You gotta have some fun. That's right. So that's going to be going on at Porkfest this year, and you can go to porkfest.com, p-o-r-c-f-e-s-t.com to learn more about that. You're going to want to be there if you love liberty and freedom because it's an exciting event where you actually get to meet all kinds of people like Brian in New Hampshire that we just spoke to a few moments ago and some of the uh, the super activists that have already been here for a while and have, have set up wonderful uh, networking opportunities and organizations to get involved with. It's all happening, porkfest.com. 
800-259-9231. So, speaking of unintended consequences earlier, Wayne, prison ships. I don't know if anyone saw this coming. Certainly, uh, if you've listened to the show for a while, you might have heard a while back, uh, somebody found out about the secret prisons over in Europe. The U.S. government was running these secret CIA black prisons or where they were allegedly sending suspected terrorist people to and having them tortured. Apparently, it wasn't actually the U.S. people that were torturing them, not the U.S. government people. It was apparently they were bringing in other government people. Contractors. Yeah. Yeah. That way they could sort of waltz around whatever U.S. laws might have pre- uh, prevented them from torturing the, the prisoners. And so people got wind of the secret prisons in Europe, and they claimed, I think, didn't they claim that they'd shut them down at this point? I remember hearing something about that. Of course, Once they acknowledged that they, in fact, existed, yes. then yes. I think they, the story is that they've shut them down. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's all it is. It's just a story, right? Yeah. I mean, how are you you're going to believe the CIA when they tell you they oh, don't worry, we've, we've shut them down. Well, maybe they did shut them down and they moved them to prison ships. According to The Guardian in the UK, the United States is operating floating prisons to house those arrested in its war on terror. According to human rights lawyers who claim there's been an attempt to conceal the numbers and the whereabouts of detainees... Details of ships where detainees have been held and sites allegedly being used in countries across the world have been compiled as the debate over detention without trial intensifies on both sides of the Atlantic. The U.S. government was yesterday urged to list the names and whereabouts of all those detained. Information about the operation of prison ships has emerged through a number of sources, including statements from the U.S. military, the Council of Europe, and related parliamentary uh, bodies, as well as the testimonies of prisoners. The analysis, due to be published this year by the human rights organization Reprieve, also claims there have been more than 200 new cases of rendition since 2006, which was the time when President Bush declared that the practice had stopped. Hmm... The analysis do, uh, according to this, it's the use of ships to detain prisoners, however, that is raising fresh concern and demands for inquiries in Britain and the U.S. According to research carried out by Reprieve, the U.S. may have used as many as 17 ships as floating prisons since 2001. Detainees are interrogated aboard the vessels and then rendered to other, often undisclosed locations, it's claimed. Ships that are understood to have held prisoners include the USS Bon or Bataan and the USS Pelio. Further, 15 ships are suspected of having operated around the British territory of wherever. Uh, Reprieve will raise concerns over the activities of the USS Ashland, and they go on to just sort of identify more detail about the case. But suffice it to say that up to 17, perhaps more, prison ships are. Maybe op- some of them are operational right now. Maybe some of them aren't. At least since 2001, there have been that many of them. Pretty scary stuff, huh, guys? Nothing surprises me anymore. And uh, as I understand it, the safeguards that would protect prisoners, even if they were held on prison ships, um, it would be within the frame of, of the Military Commissions Act and some other laws have been passed to secretly try people who are accused of terrorism by secret military tribunal at sea, execute them, dump, dump them, them overboard, and no one would ever know. Or cremate them first, and then there's just ashes overboard. Right. So you know that that potential now exists. It's not the realm of conspiracy theory. That's that's a legal course of action they could take. Sure. It, well, it seems to me that uh, you know they kind of learned their lesson from the Guantanamo thing. They told everybody about Guantanamo, right? Up front, they said, well, we're bringing these terrorists. Look, we're protecting you from terror. Here's all these suspects we're bringing down here. And so as a result, the 
the people that actually care about habeas corpus and a, and a public trial and things like that blew up. And they paid attention to the Guantanamo thing. And so the government probably figured, whoa, we don't want to really tell these people anything anymore. So maybe that's when they went out and did the, the prison ship idea was, well, instead of bringing prisoners to Guantanamo where people will know about them, we'll just keep them in interna- international waters on these prison ships and then do what you were suggesting, give them these military tribunals. And I, it could happen to U.S. citizens before exactly. too long. I mean, that's people claim that, well, we're not going to do this to U.S. citizens, but Just how do we know? these evil terrorists. By what yeah. evidence? Right. Says who? And what's the definition of a terrorist? Uh, you know that always morphs into something much more. Well, don't, don't they say now that if you smoke a joint, you're supporting terrorism? Or if you're against the war, you're a terrorist. Or yeah. if you're a Ron Paul supporter, you're a terrorist. Or God knows what else. Well, yeah, we've definitely seen that particular definition expand over time to where anybody who's a criminal by law by all the plethora of laws that are out there would be considered a terrorist so i think it's really just sticking one's head in the sand to say oh well it can't happen here because it's happening here and what's what what would make you think that the the federal government goons that are more than likely to lock you in a prison cell for not even cutting them a check Every year. What's to make you think those same people are all of a sudden going to be concerned about taking you off to some anonymous prison ship somewhere? These people don't know you. They're not your friends. They've never met you before. At least with local government people, you know who they are. They know who you are. And it's, it's much more difficult for them to do something awful to you. But at a federal level, there's... 2,000 miles of uh, apart from the feds to many Americans. And they may legitimately believe that you're guilty just because you were accused. I mean, how would a, a particular intelligence agent or sailor or Marine, how would they know? They would probably just assume, well, he must have done something. Sure. But they don't necessarily know what you did. They're That's just the attitude we've heard of. Keeping you prisoner. We've heard that attitude from many Americans who've called this show. The suggestion is, well, if the, well, if the government has arrested them, then they must have something on them. They're not too concerned with actually seeing a public trial where that something is presented and everyone can see what it is and the the individual who's accused can face his accusers, all of the stuff that we're so used to here in America. Many of them, many Americans are just saying, who cares? Flip it out the window. These people don't deserve all that. They're not Americans. Well, a nation of sheep begets a uh, government of wolves. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You can bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us, including... The Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And do you want to easily update the look of your old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, innerknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL at checkout. That's innerknobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. 
or see their banner at freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. Uh, you can bring up anything here, whether it's prison ships or it's the FLDS. We will cover it here in moments. But first, we go to your calls. We'll talk to Cranson in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live, Cranson. Hello, Cranson. Yes, I hear somebody. Here. Hello. Yes. You're on yeah. the air. What's I, on your mind? Uh, see, I heard your show the other day. The uh, You guys were talking about the energy drinks. Yes, the caffeinated energy drinks. Yes, sir. They are yes. under attack by some in government, especially school principals. Yes, exactly. I'm uh, I'm a 20 years old, and uh, I find myself hopelessly addicted to these things. I I go to the store and without thinking, I just buy the cases of four, the cases of of eight, whatever. <laughs> now, are you addicted to the huge ones, like the 12 or 16 ounce size cans, or do you just get the little eight ounce ones? Well. Now they're selling them in larger and larger quantities. Like, yeah. the, like the Red Bulls are like in the eight ounce, and they have the sixteen ounce, and now they have these massive ones that are like a liter. <laughs> what, what effect do they have on you when you drink them? Well, I've found myself. My friends have pointed out that I behave recklessly. I, I drive hope. I very fast. Hmm. I I uh, I have a Ford Taurus, and I it displays my average speed, and it's. About 54, 60 miles an hour. For an average, that's pretty high. Yeah. yeah. So you're drinking how many of these per day, would you say? Um, I would say I, I need at least one in the morning. First thing when I get up, I drink one. Uh, most times I don't even eat breakfast. I just drink an energy drink. I, <laughs> I would say probably close to 10, 12 a day. What's your height and weight right now, may I ask? I am about 200 pounds and... uh. I am five eight. So you drink a uh, one of these twelve? Is it a twelve ounce or what? Do you what size are you drinking in the morning? Sixteen. I do the sixteen. They're about average. That's what comes in the uh, the packs of four and eight or whatever. So how do you feel about them legislating you so you can't get them? Well, well I mean, like I said, I, I I enjoy drinking them. I I drink them without thinking about it. If it's kind of like uh, an addiction of mine. If if you. If I wasn't able to buy it, I think it might actually help me. But, well, uh, that's what some people say, but then before you know it, you're in a back alley somewhere giving someone a BJ in order to get a can of Monster. I mean, you, don't, <laughs> you don't really want to go down that road uh, with Prohibition. Not to say that everyone is going to do that, but yeah, that's where some people might end up. And the caffeine content isn't... That, that idea scares me. That idea of uh, being these, this addicted to these things, it, it frightens me. I would suggest trying to quit. Um, taking in that ca- much caffeine on a daily basis is its really bad for you. I mean, I know you're only 20, but heart-wise, I mean, theoretically, you could have a heart attack if you drank enough, you know, enough caffeine. And it's, But the content's not that much terribly higher than coffee as far some as Some is, some it's, isn't. It What's your brand? What's your brand? Do you know? Oh, man, I drink uh, a lot of the brands like Nas, uh, Monster, Red Bull. Okay, so, and actually, so they all they all run they all run between 100 and 300 grams, I believe, of uh, milligrams milligrams of caffeine. And uh, I, I think 300 is significantly higher than a cup of it's coffee. It's about I think it's about two. I think a cup of coffee is on average 75 one, to 120. Yeah, I think. Well, what about people right. who go out and, and order a double shot of espresso at Starbucks? Right, well, I've, so, seen, uh, I've right. actually used caffeine pills. Oh, really? Just to see, just to see what effect it would have. Uh, the caffeine pills just put that in soda, saturate soda with that, and Probably in excess of a thousand grams. It, 
It's the first speed freak I've ever heard call in. <laughs> so this is fascinating. So you probably spend what, like a grand a year on uh, energy drinks at least? A few drinks I, a day. I really don't even keep track. I have a fairly decent job. I uh, I work as a a stock shelf, like yeah. uh, for a warehouse. Oh, your boss must love it then. So it's so it's not a yeah. monetary issue for you. You can afford your habit. It's just that you're feeling. Uh, do you feel burned out at all? Do you get the what they call caffeine crash at the end of the day, or are you just where you? I I do. I sleep on average four hours a night, maybe. I I it keeps me going. It it. I feel like I need it in the mornings to keep running. I I feel empty without it, depressed. Uh, it, it's horrible. It, it's it's. I have pimples. It's uh, my teeth are rotten. Do you, I, Do you need like a twelve? I mean, are you so hooked that you you might need a twelve step program or something like that to get out of this? I I, I don't even know. I. Because I can't comment. I don't know if either you gentlemen. Yeah, I don't know if either of you gentlemen have had a caffeine addiction. I can't really comment on how profound the addiction is. From what I understand, Julia, my girlfriend, she's uh, she's not addicted to energy drinks, but she's got a caffeine addiction where every morning she's she's got to have you know a double espresso. Well, that's a habit. An addiction is a progressive. She gets a headache when she doesn't drink it. Yeah, and the instant the instant it touches her mouth. Like, in her head, she knows that she's going to have that dose, and so the headache goes away. But does she increase the amount she drinks daily? No. Does it increase over time? You don't have to increase to have an addiction. No. Um, I think I have a caffeine addiction, but it's one cup of coffee a day, and if I have two, I feel very jittery. So it's a very manageable habit. But how does it feel when you stop drinking it, though? Um, And do you get the crash? I generally have a headache. Do you feel lethargic at the end of the day? Not so much. I just have trouble waking up hmm. and getting going. But that's that's just me normally without caffeine. So <laughs> Cranston, I don't know that it's a crash. Cranston, do you have any other thoughts for us? Uh, I just I would just like to warn people against the effects of this because, uh, like you guys were saying, uh, you feel jittery. I I feel beyond jittery. I I feel like I uh, I feel depressed. I feel shaky. Uh, I've never had any other kind of addiction. I don't I don't even smoke. Wow. I uh, have you tried to quit? Uh, I have attempted to just reduce the amount, maybe try, uh, you know, like Gatorade, water, uh, life water, anything like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I, like I said, I feel empty. I feel like I need it. I, uh, my, like when I drink it, my heart races. I feel like I have so much more energy. I feel more well equipped to do my, uh, my daily, my daily tasks. Do you feel like that's an illusion though? Do you feel it's true? Do you feel it's true that you're more well equipped to do your daily tasks, or that you've sort of tricked yourself into believing that it's true? Well, I believe that the uh, the caffeine does act as an upper for me. I uh, I, th- I think I, tr- I drink it in a large enough uh, quantity that it um, it really it really helps me. I mean, with four hours of sleep a night, I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see what else it could be. Well, that's true. I wonder if you mo- get more sleep if you didn't drink caffeine all day. Most of us need more than four hours of sleep. Over a especially at age twenty, yeah, especially at age twenty. But you know, the problem with caffeine is it affects the central nervous system, and it doesn't necessarily make you more productive in many cases because you're not as calm. To be at your maximum productivity, you have to be calm and focused as well as having energy. And caffeine does not really do that. I think that's an illusion. I think it's a counter it's counterfeit energy, really. I, I do know a lot of people who get off of caffeine by using things like green tea, which are more there's some caffeine, but not as much, and, and so it gives you a little bit. It's kind of like methadone. Ginseng or something? You, ginseng's another one. Uh, yerba mate is a, is a form of tea from South America, which doesn't have caffeine. It has matine, which is the 
which is the mirror image of the caffeine molecule. The only difference is it doesn't affect the serv- central nervous system. Now, what is this that has matine? Uh, yerba mate, it's called. It's, it's, a, it's a really popular drink in South America. So there you go. You got some recommendations there from Wayne, the sort of health nut. On the resident health nut on the show. That's right. So some options, maybe some substitutes that you can uh, you could possibly work in. Do you think that he should quit cold turkey and switch over to those things, or should he kind of uh, mix them like he mix cat food? Well, I'm not a doctor, but I would say (laughs) he probably would want to see somebody who specializes in that type of thing. Addiction therapy or something? Well, yeah, but you want somebody who's not going to put you on other drugs necessarily, but somebody who has a natural path that can wean you off of the caffeine without any major um, withdrawal symptoms. Cranston, uh, call us back sometime and let us know how your process is going as far as weaning yourself off of that stuff. And thank you for the call tonight. 1-800-259-9231. Not only may you get better sleep and more real energy, but you'll also save a lot of money. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at the store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. Order great Free Talk Live branded merchandise like hats, T-shirts, hoodies. We've even got classic archived uh, DVD collector sets. You can find it all at store. Store.freetalklive.com. We continue with your calls about whatever you want. Oh, by the way, Nick, you pointed out during the break that the, the last caller said he drank eight per day. I missed the number, but I, I, I thought he said eight, not Was like eight? four. Wow, then that's way more than a thousand bucks a year. That's Just a few thousand dollars a year. That's over least. probably yeah. four or five thousand. And Nick, you made a really good point after we got off the air temporarily here about uh, the body needing to repair itself. At night when you sleep. You yes, know. when you sleep. And, and the fact that you don't, if you don't get enough sleep, you're not operating with your full brain capacity. And that's why a lot of people have accidents, car accidents, oh, accidents yeah. on the Truckers. job. Yeah, because they don't get enough sleep. I can tell you, I went without sleep once and something I will never do again. I you, heard. The longer you go, the more likely you are to absolutely hallucinate. Uh, we had a co-host who went 96 hours one time uh, without sleep. And... His description of what happened was just pretty amazing. Well, I guess the dream world and, and your your waking world kind of merge yeah. after a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's nuts. Anyway, let's go to your calls. Michael in North Carolina, you're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, it's Michael from the trail. You are hiking the Appalachian Trail all the way up to New Hampshire. And you say you're still in North Carolina? Well, actually, I'm in New Hampshire right now. I just oh. got in uh, late last night. What happened? I uh, came up here for Pork Fest. Oh, okay, okay. Are you going to go back down to where you left off at the trail and continue it? Yeah, or? I'm, I'm going to go back down up, up in the far corner of East Tennessee, and um, once Pork Fest is over, and I'll resume the hike. Ah, very cool. So what's on your mind tonight? Well, I tell you, well, first off, I tell you what, I, I love my soda and my coffee, and I, I wouldn't give it up. <laughs> hey, and, you uh, know, as far as I'm concerned, if you like your addiction, then by all means, enjoy it. But if you're tortured like that last guy is then maybe it's time to look at something different. Yeah, probably so. But uh, at the top of the hour, you're talking to Brian from uh, Colorado who just moved in here uh, yesterday. I'm sorry I didn't get here in time to help him move, but uh, I did help a couple of porks move across town this morning. Excellent. And that that, uh, took a little bit longer since we had to load and unload, but uh, that went off pretty well. Right on. And 
I, I hope Brian will join us for Taproom Tuesday. Yeah, I guess he's out in your area. Taproom Tuesday being an event, didn't I think that you put together, right, Michael? That basically That's right. That's people right. uh, show up and hang out and enjoy one another's company at a, a free stater-owned uh, bar venue in the Manchester area. And I've not been, but I've heard it's a really good time. Well, if I know Brian, yeah. he'll be totally up for that. Yeah. Kind of conflicts with your schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's why we have social Sundays out here in Keene, which is pretty much the same thing from what I understand. Yeah, and there's there's another one in the uh, Seacoast area on Wednesday nights. So they're just popping up and multiplying. Yeah, so, I, and it's awesome just seeing how many people come out to these things. I know that Taproom Tuesdays is probably pretty popular, and we even had uh, about 20 people out at uh, it, little old Keene's social Sundays over the weekend, and that, that still isn't the full amount of people in this area. So it's really just it's a great group of people, and they get together. Not only do they do activism, both the political uh, vein as well as outside of the system, market-based activism, but they also just hang out, and they enjoy one another's company in general. Yeah, and that's that's probably as important as anything else I think so. is to hang out and get to know the other activists, the other people that are here. And that's that's kind of the reason why I called, because you also mentioned uh, Pork 411, and that's my creation as well. Yes. And there was a little controversy with that yesterday when Brian called in about his uh, his moving in. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard it, but uh, later that evening, uh, somebody called in with a little nasty gram saying something to the effect of... Uh, well, you should only use Pork 411 for emergencies and, and leave all this uh, this information stuff, this socializing out of it. And, you know, I responded that, that I, well, I called back and said, uh, just to let everyone know that that's not the way it is. Mm. But uh, yeah, Wouldn't you consider that a low-level emergency in the sense that he's moving in, he's got a whole truckload of stuff, and he, and he can't unload it by himself? Yeah, yeah, to an extent it is, but I, I also called and said, hey, I'm I'm getting into town late tonight, and uh, if you want to meet me, I'll get to Murphy's about 1130, and, and we'll have a beer or two. Yeah, it's not an emergency thing at all. Otherwise, it'd be called Pork 911, and it's not. It's Pork 411, so it yeah, seems pretty actually, self-explanatory. Yeah, I think so, and, and I actually do have plans for a Pork 911, which uh, will, be a pri- will be a private emergency number that people can call and and get a live operator that can that can help them that will actually be a free stater or, or a native that who's an activist. I think that is such a cool idea. I know it's been thrown uh, thrown around for a while. Do you feel as though we're getting to the point where there are enough activists to where something like that is is feasible? Yeah, the the main reason I don't have it up and running yet is I don't have 24/7 coverage on it. Yeah. Once I get enough people who who will volunteer to to give 24/7 coverage on it, uh, it will go up. This is something that is just not happening anywhere in the world. You have to realize you are just on the the leading edge of something really important here, Michael. This is an awesome idea. <laughs> you know that that's, that reminds me of the General Motors, their OnStar thing. All you call it Pork Star. Yeah, that's a neat idea. Hey, there's an idea. So, so therefore, people, if they're actually in an emergency situation, will be able to dial this number, and instead of leaving a message and having it distributed via email, which is what the Pork 411 system does, this will allow someone to actually pick up and and actually talk to the person and really get a uh, and ascertain what the situation is, and then that individual that's the dispatcher, for lack of a better term, could could do other things with that information, right? Like plug yeah, it into. Yeah, they could they could call other people. They could send out an email blast or an alert or. Um, get whatever other resources are necessary, depending on what the situation is. 
Very cool, and that's very exciting. And who knows in what ways that will be put to use uh, that activists will be able to call for other activists to show up, for instance, if the police are harassing someone uh, or whatever. I mean, it's it's hard to even envision how a tool like that could really become quite helpful to the yeah. pro-liberty activists here. I, I, didn't, I didn't know when I, when I put the 411 system up. It's, oh, thing's almost two years old now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know when I first put it up how it was going to be used. And I'm just surprised at, and, and gratified at the many different ways that people use it. I think two of the most memorable ones um, that, I, that are coming to memory, at least right now, one was uh, probably the night that Lauren was arrested on the side of the road, Lauren Canario, one of the activists yep. up here, they called. I remember that because I was there. one of the ones that responded to that. I I might have been the only one to get the message live, and uh, yeah, it came in at two in the morning or something like that. And it, it uh, was it was just after midnight, and I and one other person got in their pickup truck and went down there because they left Jim and Menno standing by the side of the road. Right. So they they so, took Lauren away in the car, and then. I guess they what they tow the vehicle or what what they, happened? They they took Lauren away. They towed the car and left Jim and Menno. They wouldn't let Jim drive it away. I mean, well, wow. I don't know why I, or Menno either. I don't I don't know why, but uh, left them standing there. They called Pork Four One One. We got there uh, probably twenty minutes later and just took them all the way back home to Winchester. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's certainly one example. And then of course over the weekend, uh, Brian used it to bring more activists to his house to uh, to help unload his truck. And uh, someone else recently used it to alert people to a, a police checkpoint, a border patrol checkpoint, one of those roving yep. internal checkpoints. Yeah, I've heard it used for border patrol checkpoints for uh, local speed traps, like the one on Memorial Day, um, on Memorial Day weekend. It's really a great example of how the Internet, because this is an Internet-based service that you're running, that the yes, Internet has really helped communication between activists, which is going to help us fight back against uh, the state, uh, against these people calling themselves government, using force over those of us that wish, don't wish to be governed by them. And they've That's never come exactly up against right. something like this. The government people, they are used to dealing with maybe, you know, the loner, crazy anti-government nut job that's all by himself in the middle of a forest somewhere. Or they're used to dealing with, you know, a common criminal who's usually alone or maybe has a handful of gang members. But they've never come up against a, a, a movement full of activists that are friendly, that are – there are families out there. There are youngsters, and it's just such a, a wide-cutting movement as far as the variety of people that are involved. And the, the technology is so, in, so amazing. These cops and these government people are – they must be – if they even know what we're doing, they must be just stunned by it. We have cats and dogs in the movement, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the thing about that is the technology is important, and as far as the state goes, the other thing we have on our side is that we have the moral high ground. It's true. Like when the marshals came to my house last October, uh, so, I wasn't there, but uh, somebody got a message off to Pork 411, mm-hmm. and uh, by the time I got home, they had been there about 10 minutes, and shortly after that, a couple people showed up videotape or whatever they were going to do. And without that service, they otherwise would not have been there, and the entire scene could have gone completely differently. You could have ended up with a, you know, a truncheon to the head or something like that. Thank, uh, thank you for the call tonight and all the awesome activism, Michael. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's all happening here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project and nowhere else. I wish it was happening elsewhere, but it's not. Hour 2's coming up. 
There's a reason it doesn't sound like the old media. Which of those court justices are going to sit there and err on the side of your Fourth Amendment? That's because it's the new media. Dan Carlin. Common sense. I think fast and I talk fast and the people that like this program can deal with that. Common sense with Dan Carlin. A free-thinking, politically independent view of things from a man who's had way too much caffeine. Get the MP3 or podcast at iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Coming up, we can talk about the gas prices in America But first, the latest on the FLDS situation. The Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As you know, it's been a couple months now at least since the 400-plus youngsters, children of all ages, were stolen from their uh, their parents, stolen from their families, from their homes, and taken into the custody of the state of Texas government bureaucrats. And it was an it was and is probably one of the most tragic stories I think we've ever reported on on this show. And today there was a, a pretty big decision. But before we talk about this decision, I'd like to preface it by pointing out that whenever you encounter a bureaucrat, at the very least, your time will be wasted. At best, they will waste your time. At worst, you could end up in a jail cell for the rest of your life. That's the gamut. That's it. That's the span. It's going to be somewhere in between those two extremes. But it's very rare that you'll encounter a bureaucrat, or rather, the, the when, eh, not so much when you encounter like just walking up to one on the street, but specifically when they decide they want to encounter you. I guess that's what I mean. When a bureaucrat decides they want to have something to do with you. At the very least, you're going to waste your time. So someone that looks at this story and says, well, they won. The polygamous won. No, this isn't a win. Okay, let's start this up here. It says uh, from ABC News, a Texas judge has now ordered hundreds of children from a polygamous religious sect who've been held in state custody for more than a month return to their parents beginning today, ending legal wrangling between lawyers for the state and sect mothers. The order from Judge Barbara Walther, whose decision to hold the children in temporary state custody was rejected by the Texas Supreme Court last week, calls for more than 430 sect children to be returned to their families starting this morning. In order to be reunited with their children, Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints parents must agree that the children will stay in the state, they must have their fingerprints taken, and they must take parenting classes. So... Right there on its face. This is not just, oh, here's your kids back. Whoops, we messed up. Yeah, that's right. There was a Supreme Court case that, or there was a court case that said that our raid on your ranch was completely illegal. Sure, we went in on the flimsiest of false pretenses based on a phone message left somewhere, or based, I guess it wasn't a phone message, but it was a conversation with a woman's shelter. That alleged that there was abuse going on that was allegedly from a 16-year-old girl that was supposedly in the shelter. Turns out none of that was true. It was actually a, a hoaxer, someone who lived in Colorado that was known for doing these sorts of hoaxes. 
And, but that was the excuse they used to go in and then take all of these children. They claimed they wanted to find who the phone caller was. They were looking at all the children to, to find out who that was. Well, they never found her because she didn't exist because it was a hoax. So it was thrown out, and the court said, okay, this was illegal, and you're probably going to have to give the kids back. Now the judge has said, okay, we're going to give the kids back, but you have to follow these rules. So it hasn't reversed. Nothing has really been reversed here. They haven't just given the kids back and said, whoops, we're sorry, and, and went away. No, they, they have inserted themselves into the lives of these families and are refusing to leave. The kids not only are coming back, but at the same time, they have to stay in Texas. So sorry if you wanted to go visit Grandma in Utah. Or move, to, or move to New Hampshire. Or wherever. Move to wherever. Now you are, you're in a much larger prison. You're not actually in a little prison somewhere. You're in the state of Texas, and you can't leave. Sure, there's nothing to physically prevent you from leaving, but these people have been pretty obedient to the state so far, and so it's very likely that they will continue to be obedient. Do you think that there's a PR motivation behind all this? You mean for the state? Yeah. What do you think? What are you getting at? Well, it seems to me that they're not just giving them back to their parents. They, they have all these other requirements. They're, they're making the pen a little bit bigger, but they know there's been a lot of public outrage over it. So this is their way of, of, of saying, see, see, we fixed it. And the yeah. average American's not going to hear all the details. They're just going to hear that the, head, the headline that the jury says they've got to give them back. And that's it. That's a good point. There probably will be some Americans that were very in favor of having these kids taken because they, they believe differently. Perhaps their religious beliefs are different from the FLDS, and they were probably very pleased with that. Oh, good. Now they're going to be put in some real good Christian homes. And they'd probably be upset when they heard that the, the kids were returned. And they, even though they wouldn't have known about all the details, they would just sort of gloss over it and be very upset about it. But, yeah, some people are going to hear this. And they're going to think, oh, well, all is well now. The parents have their kids back. All is well. Well, even if that was the case, even if they did get the kids back without any of these strings attached to them, it still wouldn't be all is well because the kids were stolen from their parents and held for almost two months' time in state care. Yeah, talk about trauma. Severely traumatized, especially the little ones. They, they were raised in a culture that believes that what happened to them that the state is essentially evil and that uh, this is the mark of the beast and, you know, these are the end times and that sort of thing. And this is filling in exactly what it was they were told the state was, that the state is evil, which it is. I'm not saying it isn't, but it's it's fulfilling their prophecy for them, essentially. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If you've got comments here, but it's never a win with bureaucrats. These people haven't won, and it's not over. According to the story, the children, again, will be allowed to live with their parents, but the order doesn't end the Texas Child Protective Services investigation into allegations of sexual abuse on the sex yearning for Zion Ranch. The state claims that the sect forces underage girls to marry older men and breeds young men to become sexual abusers. In a statement, the agency said it was pleased with the plan approved by the court today because it allows the children to be returned safely to their families and allows the state to continue its investigation. The safety of these children remains our only goal in this case, the statement said. Walther's order requires sect families to cooperate with the ongoing investigation, including allowing CPS bureaucrats to interview the children at unannounced times and to give the children medical and psychiatric evaluations. So, what does that mean? I mean, we know how powerful this CPS organization is. This is an agency that based in many in many places based on the accusations of another person 
will come in, take your kids from you, and then you have to prove that you're a good parent in order to get them back. So who's to say that they won't have one of these unannounced visits? They'll show up and give a kid a psychiatric exam, and they'll say, well, looks like uh, little Bobby here didn't pass the exam. We're going to have to take him into custody. I mean, how many steps are they away from taking more kids away from these families? If they go back and they take just a couple of the kids, will it get national news coverage at that point? I doubt it. I would doubt it, too. I mean, I think this made headlines just because it was such a... So many children were taken at once. So if they take just a couple, then it'll just be another CPS case, and those aren't that newsworthy because they happen all over the place to all all kinds of different people. So that's just a, that's just a possibility. And the last I heard, they were still trying to determine paternity for many of these kids. I don't know what the status on those DNA tests is, but I'd be very concerned if I was one of the fathers. Was that any of their business? The paternity? Yeah. Well, they claim they needed to know to uh, to to properly fill out their paperwork or something. Ah, uh, like the papers. That's just my guess. That they were really adamant about finding out who was daddy and mommy from these kids because the kids don't really know who their biological family is because the the dads can be reassigned. So you could be a dad at one point, and then if you fall out of favor with the church, well, you get a new daddy for the kids. And so the kids were kind of confused, honestly confused, about who their biological parents were. So the state wanted to figure that out. And I believe the reason they wanted to figure it out was because they wanted to charge daddy with statutory rape. What did they do on Father's Day? I, I imagine uh, I imagine dads get treated pretty well on Father's Day. I bet they Day. don't have Father's Day. I bet yeah, they it's just probably, admitted that. It's probably 365 days, Father's Day, and that sort of culture. 800-259-9231 is the number for you to uh, bring up anything here. The order doesn't place restrictions on the sect's men or require children to live away from the ranch, as some parents had initially feared. But lawyers for some of the mothers said logistical issues could delay the release of the children till Tuesday. According to another lawyer, some of, uh, some of the mothers who've rented or bought houses near the foster homes where their children are being held don't plan to return to the ranch for now. It's probably a, that's probably a decent idea. I don't know what to say about this beyond it's just, it's still a tragedy, it's still awful, and it's not over for these people. The state's going to continue to meddle in their lives until who knows how long. When will they be satisfied? What is it that will satisfy these state bureaucrats to know that these kids are okay? More's coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And And Wayne. I'm sorry, and Wayne. (laughs) And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. They include the bulletin board system where you can get interactive with over 350,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at BBS. Dot freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. In Chapter 5 of Freedom Engineering and an, arc, an online anarcho-capitalist adventure series, Tad Galahad catches something in a spam can. Go to freedom-engineering.com to find out what. That's freedom-engineering.com. 800-259-9231. So the latest here again on the FLDS sect is that they've been allowed to bring their kids home. Yay! Yippee. And if that's as far as you read, you might think, well, good for them. But there's a little bit more detail, and that is that they're still essentially owned by the state. 
the state is still treating the children as though it's as though the children are their property. And that is the attitude of, of state bureaucrats is that they can do whatever it is they want to do with your kids. They could give a flip about what you think about your kids. And that's the part you're not going to hear on the TV news nope. and you're not going to read into when most Americans read the, the, the story in the paper. It's so true, and it's it's so it's this this story is only atypical in its size, in that it it got the notice because there were over 400 kids that were stolen, but otherwise things have been relatively similar. The the uh, CPS comes in with the cops, they take a kid from somebody's from his parents, and they put him into state custody, and then the parents have to beg the state and pay thousands of dollars in attorneys and and court fees in order to prove to the state government people that, oh, we're good law-abiding people. We'll do whatever it is you tell us just to get our kids back. It's the same exact thing that happens everywhere else. And even after the fact, here you go again with the state they're still hovering over these parents. They have apparently the ability to come in unannounced, and interview these kids, and the, the parents have to take parenting classes. What happens? What happens if you fail the parenting classes? What happens if the the assessments of the psychological, psychiatric assessments of the kids? What if they fail those? Will they be snatched up again? And will we hear about it? Odds are no. Odds are we won't hear a thing if they just take one or two here at a time. We'll probably never get wind of it. That's how it is with most with most cases. I mean, how many cases are you aware of in your area? Because it's been getting heavy news coverage of CPS coming in or DCF or whatever it is they call themselves in your state. How many cases have you heard of? They don't get reported on that often because they're, they're really so commonplace. And, and who's the burden of proof on here? You know, it ends up being on the parents, which is crazy. Sure. They, they can least afford to defend themselves. Yeah, and, and the state can afford as much as it wants to. There's no cost to the government prosecutor or CPS to go into the government courts and defend their actions. There's no cost whatsoever. What's that? They're getting paid anyway. Sure. Not only are they getting paid, but also they're immune. The actual individual bureaucrats can never be held accountable for their actions. Mm, What a shame. Even if if the, the family members were able to bring a suit against the state of Texas after the fact and say, you know, you've you your own courts said this was wrong. Your own courts overturned the initial raid that resulted in the kids being taken. So, therefore, you owe us, here's our proof, and here's our case, and blah, blah, blah. Even if that case came out in their favor and they were awarded a million bucks for that lost month of time with their kids, even if that were to be the case, that million bucks wouldn't come from the bureaucrats that did the operation. It wouldn't come from the paychecks of the cops that were driving the tank when they raided this particular piece of property. So the bureaucrats know inherently that they have no responsibility. They know that there's no chance they'll be held accountable for their actions. So they're even more slipshod about what they do. They don't care. They'll take your kids. Who cares if you get them back eventually? At least they had them for a month. And who knows what kind of ideas they put into these kids' heads. Who knows how they were treated? And when they're slapped down by the court, I'm sure a lot of this has to do with defending their position and defending their righteousness to be sovereign uh, People that, that do whatever they want with with impunity. Wait, who is defending that position? Well, the the state workers. You know, see, they they've got this this ruling now. We've got these headlines, but they probably still feel they're right, and so they're trying to weasel their way in through these other methods, as you know, mm-hmm. to stay in their lives because they believe they're right, and and they're trying to prove so. Right, so they can get good press coverage with the general public, and they can also control these people's lives still to maybe not to 
as full an extent as they were trying to before, but it still sounds like they have pretty tight control on these families. So they get the government gets the best of both worlds that it looks like there was a happy ending to it to most mm-hmm. people and they still get to control these people's lives and don't have to admit they made a mistake. And that's really what it's all about anyways, controlling people's lives. That is what it's all Regardless about. Regardless of how they do it, that's really what it comes down to. Isn't it amazing, too, that the government, normally it takes its tyranny in little little increments, right? It, it just a little bit more tyranny here, a little bit more over there, a little bit more here. But this was a huge jump. I mean, 400 kids being rounded up. Of course, you also have immigrants being raided, and you've got businesses being raided. There was one in, I think it was Idaho. Or Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, it was Iowa where they went and they stole over three 300 uh, workers, immigrant workers. So we're starting to see these sort of mass roundups that are pretty frightening on, uh, right on its face. And the idea that the government could just jump right in and take 400 kids and then, uh, you know, maybe take a one step back and say, okay, we'll let you have the kids, but you still have to do all this and this and this and this and this. For us, so they've taken a huge leap forward in what they can get away with. Yeah, they didn't get away with a hundred percent of the leap, but they took eighty percent. Yeah, they took ten steps forward and one or two back. Yeah, that's really where it is. But and people will be celebrating this as a victory for the families, and it wasn't right. Some people think, well, this is a step forward for freedom. Not no, really. Not in not one iota is this a step forward for freedom, and that's exactly what they're trying to portray to people with this. They're trying to trick them into believing that, oh, see, the system works. You know, these people that believe that, oh, all we have to do is just elect the right bureaucrats and the, the right politicians and everything will be fine. See, the system works. Here's the proof. They gave the kids back. See, if we didn't have this best system of government in the world, if we didn't have the best system of government, then those kids would never have been given back. You couldn't have gone to court and challenged it. If we were following our system of government, the kids never would have been taken to begin with. And I remember growing up hearing about the Soviet Union. These things are the types of things that happened in the Soviet Union, not in America. These things happened in Nazi Germany, but not in America. And now they're happening in America. We're letting them happen. What are you supposed to do about it, though, Wayne? I mean, what do you do when they're coming with guns to your house to take your kids? Nothing you can do unless you want to get shot. So you have to hope that enough people get wind of it that uh, they can put some pressure on the bureaucrats who did it. That's all you can do. To some extent, that is what happened here, but still, we resulted in eight steps forward instead, or for tyranny instead of ten steps forward. So there wasn't enough standing up, apparently, and that's one of the reasons why they went after FL, FLDS, right? It was because they're weird, they're different, and it's they, an easy group to victimize. Yeah, they can demonize them. So do you think that things would be different here, like if they came after your kids, Wayne, if they came and took your kids, and we actually had people here that would go and go to the court trials and, and would back you up and stand up behind you. You think it would be different here because you weren't the weird FLDS cult? Do you think things would play out differently? I have no idea, and I hope I never have to deal with it. It's usually, the tyranny is usually targeted at outsiders. In Nazi Germany, it was Jews, homosexuals, communists. They Gypsies. target people who aren't respected at first, anyway, because nobody, uh, the vast majority of people don't care that much. First they came for the communists. Exactly. I did nothing. And More coming up. Gypsies. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. 
Bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wade. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Both free for you at freetalklive.com. Plus, the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's happening June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to discover the outdoor and recreational adventures that New Hampshire has to offer, as well as expand your network of liberty-loving activists, businesses, and organizations. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Free Talk Live will be at Porkfest this year, as we were last year. This year, however, we will be there for three times as long as last year. We're going to be there three nights broadcasting live and looking forward to meeting many of our listeners uh, who will be in attendance. So it should be a good time. 800-259-9231 is the number for you. And just a, a few more thoughts on this situation with the uh, the FLDS and having their kids stolen from them and just the general idea of the government coming in taking kids from a family based on the flimsiest of accusations and then the parents having to beg and plead and pay lots of money in order to to just get their kids back in their homes i mean again as we as evidenced here in the story these parents once once their kids are gone the kids are then used as a carrot on a stick in order to get the parents to do whatever it is the government wants them to do in the first place. And Originally, Texas had suggested that they, they were going to demand that the mothers renounce their religion in order to get their kids back. At this point, they are being mandated to jump through all sorts of hoops, including give CPS people, CPS workers, unrestricted access to these children at random times. So any old time, CPS can just show up and they get to examine your kids and and i do mean examine physically as well as psychological examinations don't these people have enough to do you mean, you mean the bureaucrats yeah well, that, this many, is what they many, do why are there too many bureaucrats where they can't find something productive to do that they have to go bother these people but this is their job dude this is what <laughs> they do they're bothering flds today but yesterday they bothered some family in texas there, there are some legitimate scumbags out there parents. sure you know there are some legitimate ones sure there are and and originally these agencies were, were geared towards those people and 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 probably for a long time people said oh so what you know these are bad parents and they're beating their children they're locking them up in a closet and feeding them under the door like dogs and so that was always dismissed but when this stuff's happened, you can see the nature of power. You can see that what happens is, is it encroaches upon everybody after a while, not just the scumbags. And that's the biggest concern for me You know, what, all I'm, around. I'm just trying to – I'm thinking to myself, what is it that we, we would see happen differently here in New Hampshire? I mean, I asked the question earlier, and I'd like to have uh, you guys chime in if you can think of anything. But also, uh, you listening – can chime in here as well at 800-259-9231. How would this situation change if there were a large number of pro-liberty activists living in the area where someone's children were stolen from them? What sort of things could be done with those activists? I mean, we talked to Michael Hampton from HomelandStupidity.us. We were talking about the Pork 411 info number as one of these innovations that the activists here have come up with that just doesn't exist anywhere else. So what kind of things could happen here that would be different, that would change the situation, and at least to favor the activists more than it currently does? Well, for one, this is a smaller state. So it's not so spread out. Activists can converge on, on the authorities quicker to protest uh, 
to lobby them to cha- have a change of heart, uh, and, and the information will travel quicker when you have a, 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 um, a network of people spread out across the state rather than just one little area. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that uh, certainly activists could converge on any sort of hearings, and we've seen success where where we've had just a handful, six to ten activists have shown up in court trials for people that that got traffic tickets for just asinine nonsense, like doing a U-turn at two in the morning when no one's around. Uh, that that essentially what happened was the activists would come into the court, they would not stand for the judge, and then all of a sudden the judge would just throw the case out or would make some sort of ruling that essentially threw the case out. One of the last ones was a gentleman was in for no registration, and the judge said, okay, well, suspended fine, $85 fine, suspended, and you're free to go. So... That essentially means he didn't have to pay the fine because it was suspended, which means that it's only payable if you get arrested for something else within the next 30 days or 90 days or something like that. So essentially that case was thrown out. And that, I think, was – I think having the activists in that courtroom was a major factor there. And so if activists packed a courtroom, that could really kind of tip the scales. But if they continued to pursue tyranny, then what could happen? Well, maybe we could target the bureaucrats, maybe target the people that – and I don't mean for violence, but I mean for like social ostracism or to stand outside of their house with signs or something like that. I I mean that's just a general idea. I would love to see what the activists would come up with as far as ways to to ostracize these people and bring attention to them as, as being kidnappers. You know, I think that a lot of these uh, these bureaucrats and these people within the system don't realize what they're doing. They're 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 following orders. They're doing their job, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're really thinking about the ethical impl- impl- uh, implications. They feel like they have the moral high ground because they're the law and all this stuff. But in many cases, I don't think they're really thinking about this. And I think it's it's an educational process for them as well. There's a lot of good people who work for these agencies, whether it's the FBI, the CIA, any of those. So it's a matter of... They don't of, consider themselves bad guys. No, they don't. And a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are good people, even cops, too. Cops included, Ian, mm-hmm. contrary sure. to what you might believe. No, no, no. <laughs> I was talking with uh, a New Hampshire cop today who I consider to be a very good guy, as a matter of fact. So, But those are the people you have to get through to first because they influence people around them. And, and it's just a matter of re-educating people about what freedom means. And, because when everyone's free and everyone's prosperous, everyone's happy, then their jobs are easier. Absolutely the case. Certainly true. I I do know that if, let's say, you weren't able to influence the court proceedings or just holding signs, doing whatever kind of form of protest you wanted to do, convince the bureaucrats of the courts, you know, to stop pursuing whatever course of action they were taking, you could have people say, I know they were keeping these children somewhere called, I think it was a coliseum. Yes, and also foster homes as well. I mean, if you had enough people, um, I'm assuming that were willing to engage in civil disobedience, you could block doorways. Ooh, block yeah. vans, you know, they don't... Then like, they'd have to arrest a bunch of other people, and that would really well, make a news item out of it and would show the support. And the state doesn't like to appear out of control. I mean, if you have, say... I mean, they were able to gather up a few hundred kids, but I'm sure they planned the raid ahead of time. Yeah. If you had 80 people show up and they're just blocking doors, you know, not violently, but just with their bodies... Right. You know, laying down in front of a, a CPS van, you're going to cause them disruption. They probably, if you get enough people, aren't even going to be able to arrest everyone at once. So when you start putting pressure on them and it makes it look like there's a lot of you know public opposition to what they're doing and that they can't control people, I mean, you're exposing their weakness because honestly, as big as the state is, they don't have the capacity to control sure. everyone. They only get away actually... with it. They only get away with it because people are obedient. So having the parents, if you were targeted, 
be uh, not so obedient as me- most of the parents are to where, you know, the CPS, as I said, they're going to dangle your kids like a carrot. And they're going to say, oh, well, just, well, you just have to agree to all these agreements and we'll give your kids back. I mean, that would be tough, Wayne, as, as the, the lone father in the room here. What would that be like for you if they came in and took your kids and then said, well, we'll let you have them back, but just you just need to agree to being obedient and doing as we say and allowing us to come in here and do all of our stuff? I guess they'd meet the stubborn Italian in me. So you wouldn't sign their sign off on their paperwork? I, I would be really, really leery about doing that. Under duress. <laughs> yes, under duress, exactly. Because uh, I'm, I don't play like that. I've never have. Whether I buy a car or whatever, I always, you know, there's always the standard contract thing, you know, yeah. the myth. But this is the standard contract. No, that's not my standard <laughs> contract. Right. And that's how you have to approach these situations because they they would would have had no right to come in to begin with, and that's how I would see it. So I think combining a a parent a parental set that doesn't cooperate with some of the activism you're talking about, Nick, with the the non cooperation, the activists getting in the way, and and really just throwing monkey wrenches into as many gears of the state as possible. That would be pretty effective. And additionally, if the youngster was old enough to be able to speak for his or his or herself and had been growing up with someone like a Wayne who could help them understand what the state is and, you know, well, if this ever happens someday, here's what you should do. And then having that youngster speak out and say, this is awful, they're treating me terribly, you know, what, whatever, to tell about his side of the story. Of course, if it happens to a three-year-old, then there's not much you can do. But if it's a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old... Things could definitely be a little different, and I think they will be different up here if they even try that with us. More coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us if you like the show. And you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com for as little as 3 bucks a month. You can get on board with the AMP program. And what that AMP money does is it comes in and gets reinvested into the show so we can get Free Talk Live on more stations across the country. In fact, worldwide now, as a matter of fact, uh, we can bring stations on board and thereby expose new people to the message of freedom and liberty and uh, also bring new Internet listeners on board. It's a whole outreach thing that we're doing. And you can help out at amp.freetalklive.com. Get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. To the phone calls, it's Lee in Kalispell, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Lee. Good evening, lads. Hey there. Hey, What's Lee. on your mind? Hey, what did this Wayne guy bring a new perspective to you guys? You've been talking perfect sense for the last 45 minutes about the poor folks down there and their... And well, when have we ever? Uh, when have we ever? All that. When have we ever not uh, talked well, sense about we, the FLDS? We've we've chatted about that before. Let's just say there's a alternative views. Uh, but um, yeah, congratulations. You know that's that's it. That's what it's all about. But I have a question basically for you on how the New Hampshire folks handle. You guys are the first ones to have a primary. I guess is what it's called. Yes. Yeah. Now, you guys have delegates? I don't uh, yeah, know. Yeah, we, well, yes. we have delegates that are elected by the primary vote. It's winner-take-all. So right. wh- whoever wins. The delegates can vote their conscience, correct? I'm not sure about New Hampshire State. The different states have different laws on that, but I believe New Hampshire, theoretically, the delegates at, to the National Convention. If you want to be a good party member, you 
vote party line. Now, in Montana here, Romney got just aced out Paul by like three votes, and coincidentally we had four Paul supporters for our districts that didn't show up, so hmm. kind of weird. But anyway, um, that was just in our little county, which coincidentally mm-hmm. is a little bigger than the whole state of New Hampshire. <laughs> but then we have 55 other counties. Yeah. It kind of came out the same. Uh, and, you know, the Republican Party's going, well, we're going to get Romney in one way or another, so they're not even following the um, the McCain program. But if you go vote your conscience, of course, you'd be a bad party member. But so? this whole caucus and this whole delegate and this whole program, what happened at the times where everybody voted in a primary all at once, uh, what, Florida and Michigan or somebody? You know, that, Hillary's got the popular vote, but uh, uh, she, she Obama, Obama, there, he's he's riding the high wave because he's got more delegates. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I, was there a time when all of the primaries were held on the exact same day? Is that what you're getting sure at? Sure, it was no, until no. after the turn of the uh, 20th century, in you know, 1907 or something, that... That became a new thing. It was, Nick, it you're saying that's not the case? No, I have, to, I have to disagree. The, the Electoral College, which is the... the well, this is well, Electoral that's, College. The, right. Delegates. No, there really wasn't much in the way of primaries prior to this last century. The parties... Right. Basically, the, the, the people in the parties chose... They had private primaries like the Libertarian Party does? It's similar to that. Basically, the party bigwigs just decided who was going to be the nominee. So there was less public participation, which is more what you see. There's still public participation now, but in caucus states that we've seen the Ron Paul people have been able to get delegates to defect to their side, or they'll they'll kind of go in stealth as just pretending to be a regular Republican, mm-hmm. and then at the convention, a bunch yeah. of them will come out and defect. Right. And there has been some success with that. Sure, but why should there be? Because popular vote was supposed to be the deal, and the Electoral College was supposed to be a deciding factor if needed. Is that not correct? Well, I mean, it's, it's all party rules. It's to be I honest. I know, but it's just I know it's that, uh, the party thing. But you know, they all want to save money, and gee, mail-in elections cost too much, and so on and so forth. They don't want to save money. What are you talking well, about? Man, how can you not believe their their story? Because <laughs> they're politicians. I don't believe a word they say. Thanks oh, okay. for the call, Lee. Oh, okay. Thank you, dude. 800-259-9231. And if you believe politicians, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians, if you believe them, well, sorry for you. Now, this new Libertarian guy, uh, this Bob Barr character, I saw a video of him today. And uh, was I guess he was on Fox News, and they were giving him some attention because he was running. They thought he was going to be the spoiler against John McCain, and he probably will be. But Bob Barr denied it, denied it, and he was talking about he's always all for civil liberty or he's in blah, blah, blah. And he didn't say anything that was explicitly libertarian. He didn't use the, the opportunity, as, as, for instance, Harry Brown would have, to really just put out the libertarian philosophy. Harry Brown had a great way of uh, taking, and he was the presidential candidate in 1996 and 2000, he had a great way of taking whatever question was thrown at him, answering it, giving a succinct answer to it, and then using the remaining time that he had to just put the idea of liberty out there. This Bob Barr character didn't even, uh, you know, didn't even attempt to do that. He just pointed out that he was different from the other candidates. And I, I find it somewhat ironic that some of the hardcore LP people, because for those who don't follow it too closely, there were a very small group of people who believe in liberty, 
but they believe that Ron Paul was too ideologically impure. To, okay. So they wouldn't support him. They were going to support whoever the libertarian was, you know, for the general election. And I would say Ron Paul is much more credentialed as a true libertarian than Bob Barr is. So, but you're talking about the people that were voting in the primary? No, I'm talking about the people who didn't come out to support Ron Paul because Ron Paul was a statist in their mind. Didn't come out to where? To the Libertarian Just, Party? They didn't, they didn't put any activism behind the Ron Paul campaign. Oh, I see. Because he still endorsed the idea of government, and they felt that they would vote for it. You know, whoever the LP nominee was would be pretty much a free marketeer or an anarcho-capitalist. Those people were out there, but they're very they were, few of them. There were very few. That's why it was a very small the group. Libertarian, th- those libertarians are so small, they're pretty insignificant as far as... And then they got a bigger statist as the libertarian candidate. Yeah, That's the it, ironic It's pretty part. sad watching this happen. Now, I, I was really hoping that we'd see Mary Ruart in that same interview yes. instead as the candidate because she would have been very good at educating the public Absolutely. about liberty. Maybe next time around. I don't know, man. Maybe by next time around we'll have seceded from uh, from the United States. I, I would hope that would be the case at this point. I was, in fact, I was talking with someone today about the idea of secession. And are you familiar with the Conk Republic, either of you? No. It's actually Key West. And at one point, Key West, Florida, they, they kind of had a secession movement. Uh, and they called it the Conk Republic. And it still exists today. In fact, they have their own passports you can get a you can get a diplomat passport and a regular citizen passport from the Conk Republic. Now they do claim on their website that they're not intended to be real passports, but nonetheless, people have attempted to use them when traveling to other countries. The Caribbean frequently accepts them, and they even listed other countries, including Russia, that actually accepted uh, the the Conk Republic passport. So you know you have to ask yourself the question: What is a country anyway? It's just a a political designation which exists only in the minds of the people that believe in it. So if governments, in at least around here, were formed by the consent of the governed, well, shouldn't we be able to just withdraw our consent from these existing governments? And then if we want, we could form our own government of one, a, a self-government. You know, you could be the, the government of Wania or something like that. And well, that was the whole point of our original be your own diplomat. is self-government. Yeah, it was. That, that all free people um, should be self-governing. But why is a country with 100,000 people any more legitimate than a country with one person? It's the I, same concept. I see the point you're making, but you're extrapolating the concept to the point where you're talking, you're basically talking anarcho-capitalism, but calling it secession. I'm my own country. Which is yes. true. I, In principle, I agree. I do think, you know, the way a lot of what makes a country is how there are people who believe in it, mm-hmm. and somebody else has to recognize it too, or you're just a guy saying you're, you know, I'm my own country. Well, okay, you know, you're, they'll treat you like a crazy person. So generally, you have to have <laughs> enough people and enough perceived legitimacy to, a, you know, be a country in the minds of at least some right. people. Right. See, it's besides not it's yeah. not crazy if enough people believe in the scheme, right? Yeah. Right. Well, you have to have a big enough mob. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, right. It doesn't have to be very big. I mean, the Vatican, most people recognize. Well, I, right. But so, how would the other countries know? I mean, if you went to uh, the Bahamas, if you went to uh, Tobago, where we're now on the air, apparently on on FM, or you went to Trinidad and you showed up with a passport from, you know, the the new free land of Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, or something more creative, uh, free Freelandia, right? <laughs> and you you showed that to them, and it looked like a passport to them, and they wanted you to come into their country. Wouldn't that be legitimizing it essentially? Especially if you if you were a good visitor, you spent some money there, you know, you made some friends. 
That much is true. You know, I do have to say, I heard um, on the local college station here in Keene, I believe it was a liberal-type talk show, but... Mm. They were actually talking secession. I guess they're going to be talking about next week and having someone yeah. from the... That's only because they're guys not in the White House, though. Well, they're even talking... No, they were even talking about it even if there was a Democrat elected. So awesome. people are starting to think about withdrawing. More people need to start talking about this idea. Let's get it out there. 800-259-9231. Hour three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Starting out here with your calls, let's go to John in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, John. John in Ohio, listening on WAIS, going once. Yes, you were uh, talking about uh, would a uh, country of one be a legitimate government. I believe, yes, it would, but sure. only so long as it could protect its sovereignty. Okay. And I believe a country of 10 or a country of 20 uh, would likely come in and take away your sovereignty. And, uh, you know. Well, unless you protected yourself, right? In which case, then the country of 10 might be down to a country of 8 after they tried to uh, take your sovereignty from you. Well, yes, but uh, it gets up to a country of 100. There's only a. There's always a limit to uh, the amount of protection you can uh, put out. I mean, even the United States was attacked by Japan. Well, I can hire other protection if I want to do that. You can form alliances with other countries as one. Sure. Well, that's fine. You know, if uh, it would work out that way, you would have a huge alliance. It probably could work. Yeah, it could definitely work. I mean, there are people out there that would offer protection services. I mean, for instance, you can have protection that's as extreme as 24-7 bodyguard service. Right. All the way down to locks in a in a gun in the ba- you know in the bedroom. So protection varies between those two extremes, and uh, you could hire whatever sort of level of protection you wanted to based on what you assessed the threat against your sovereignty to be. And if you're lucky, you might find uh, someone with knowledge of uh, mass destruction devices. Yeah, you uh, never know, man. Well, if you've, if you've got enough money, you can find somebody with all kinds of knowledge. Thanks for your call, dude. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. I do have to say, I, I understand where the caller is coming from because the argument can be made, you know, under the theory of government that we have, the idea is that the government's there to protect you from basically other governments Is was the main function of it. But you have this catch-22 where they tax you, and it's not a voluntary government, so you have to give up your rights to a government to be protected from other governments or they'll take your rights. So, yeah, so to protect life, liberty, and property, they infringe upon your liberty and your property and your life in order to protect it. There's a paradox there, right? Right, there is a paradox, and I don't know, dismissing the argument that, yes, a larger group, if you didn't have the protection of a country, or maybe you were 10 people calling yourselves a country on an island, 
you know, and there was a, you know something we'd think of as a, a normal sized nation, ten million people on the mm-hmm. next island, they might come and take it from you. So it, there's, I can see both sides of the argument. I wouldn't say that well, one person could protect themselves from you know people calling themselves governments or marauding gangs of thieves. But there is a paradox when you say, well, we need government to protect our life, yeah. liberty, and property. People do, e- even if you're going to advocate that we do need the government, you have to understand that there's a, there is a paradox there. Didn't they actually try the island thing at one time? I don't remember what it was called, but I think yeah. it happened somewhere around the, the island of Tonga. And what happened was some liberty people, I guess, went out there and they moved on to their own island. And the king of Tonga came over with a gunboat or something and... And took over, basically. So yeah, see, that's why the island thing isn't such a great idea. Well, They're surrounded. What kind of a navy did Tonga have? I actually read about that, but I think it was just like a gunboat or two or something like that. But it was enough to take out twenty-five liberty lovers or something. Yeah, I think they, I don't know if shots were fired. I think there was they just kind of left the right. island. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know all the details. I'm that's a very generic. But version that, of you the can story. look it up online. It did happen. It was kind of a. a it's like one of those Galt's Gulch things, right? Yeah, they it, tried was, the- it was kind of like they wanted to do something like the Free State Project, but they didn't want to do any work to make it happen, and they thought they could just land on an island somewhere. But yeah. the landmass of the Earth has been claimed by someone. So. <laughs> so we'll see what happens here. It's going to be a little different because here it's not all of the activists in one place. We were talking about this earlier with uh, when we were analyzing what would happen if one of our friends had their kids taken by the government people. Uh, here, we're not all living on a plantation or uh, or one of these compounds. We're not all – they can't just take us all out in one fell swoop unless they're to drop a nuke, which some people are paranoid about. And I'm, I'm just – who cares, right? What can you do? You won't feel a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want liberty. We're willing to uh, to stand up for it and let the consequences come. Uh, but So we're spread out, and we're diverse, and there are families, and it's not like the government's going to be able to roll in tanks and do something about it, because they'd have to subvert the entire 1.5 million people in the state at the same time, because they can't just target one particular house here and one house there, because there are thousands of activists. I mean, at this point, there are hundreds of activists here, but in the future, there'll be thousands of activists here. So the longer the wait- they wait, the less doable that whole takeover idea becomes. So I think we're pretty insulated from the island factor here. 800-259-9231, bring up anything. Gas prices are on a lot of people's minds today. A lot of Americans apparently having a tough time with the, the rise in gas prices. But as Mark Stevens from Adventures in Legal Land has pointed out on his newest YouTube video, the price of gas is actually lower today than it was, I think, in the 40s. He actually did a comparison to where it was, um, the price, I think it was back in 1946, I'm recalling from his video here, the price was a quarter. It was about a quarter for a, for a gallon, gallon of gas. And apparently back at that time, the quarter actually had a quarter ounce of silver in it. So a quarter ounce of silver bought a gallon of gas in the 40s. And today, a quarter ounce of silver at $18 or whatever buys about a gallon of gas. And it, the, the actual pennies, down to the pennies, it's cheaper today by, by a few cents than it was back then. So really what you're seeing in the the price of gasoline, and one could argue that, well, it should be higher because of the billions of dollars in government subsidies that uh, they're getting because of the the war, but it should be lower because they can't build new refineries. But one can argue that even if if gas is a few – if even you're adjusting for inflation, but you're saying it's a few cents cheaper than it was in the 40s, you would expect that the market would have generally – 
brought prices down. Because that is true. for almost any other good, if you go back... Um, More automation. Like look at a car, look at any any good that requires infrastructure to get it to you. And generally, prices have come down to you know much less than they were That's back true. then. That's true. So Still an inter- interesting observation, nonetheless. It's also, it if you look at the percentage of income that a gallon of gas requires, or a tank full of gas or whatever, I'm sure it isn't that much different from back then. Well, that I don't know about, Wayne, and that's where I wanted to go with this story, because Americans are apparently having a tough time with the gas prices, and we can give some examples of, of that here in a moment, but I would speculate that the reason is because gas prices are showing you inflation. They're showing you how the government has – they're one of the most visible indica- indicators besides food of, of, the, you know, of the inflation, and so it's showing Americans – most of them don't realize it, of course, but it's showing them on as they drive down the road the effects of inflation. And I think what happens is Americans don't get raises based on inflation. So even jobs where you do get an inflation raise, it's based on the government's inflation numbers, which is 2 to 3% or something, as opposed to the 10% it probably is. Yes, exactly. So, so and in any case you look at, unless you're getting a significant increase in income every single year, the jobs out in America are not keeping up with inflation. So if inflation goes up at a much larger clip than it's ever gone up at before, which one could speculate is happening now with Ben Bernanke at the Fed and all that. So if inflation's going up at a rapid clip, jobs aren't even coming anywhere near no. meeting up with that increase in uh, cost of living expenses. And so therefore, Americans really are having a tougher time buying things. Sure, we've had stealth inflation for some time, over a decade now. They really started cranking it up during the, the, the Clinton administration but where it went at first was in the stock market, didn't go into consumer goods, and then they were shipping a lot of manufacturing off to other countries to keep inflation appear to be down as well. Uh, it didn't really until it started going into consumer goods like like oil, for example, and real mm-hmm. estate. People really didn't notice. And even you know this wouldn't be a problem even now with gas at four dollars a gallon if people weren't paying such big house payments and uh, and credit card payments. That's a good point. Twenty years ago, people didn't pay, they didn't use credit cards that much. Now everybody uses them. So and there's a lot of interest charges that you not know. to mention taxes. Yeah, and, and taxes, taxes are higher too. Exactly. Right. But right now, um, if you look at the price of oil in in ounces of gold, it's about the same as it was eight years ago. Yeah, and it's about the same. You're right about that. But people's incomes aren't keeping up with it, so inflation's outpacing their ability to actually deal with it. Keep up. Yeah. More on the way here. 800-259-9231. We'll talk about some of the uh, the evidence that's pointing to this out there that Americans are having a tough time beyond just complaining about it. Apparently, it really is getting pretty difficult for them. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, those features include updates. You get signed up. We clue you in. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. What the hell is an amphibious rotini monster? And who's the anar- uh, the anarchy boogeyman? And should you be afraid of him? Anarchyinyourhead.com is a webcomic about the philosophy of freedom in its purest form. Check in every Friday for a news strip and find bonus material throughout the week, all at anarchyinyourhead.com. That's anarchyinyourhead.com. As we will continue the gas discussion here in a moment, but uh, let's jump into a phone call here. Dan's been waiting on the line in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hello, Dan. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, 
I was going to call in and uh, talk about what you guys were talking about earlier, which was uh, Bob Barr not being the, the most libertarian. Not uh, even close. Choice. And um, I think that a lot of, of libertarians um, kind of cut, you know, uh, cut their nose off to spite their face sometimes. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely a libertarian. I would have preferred Mary Ruart as the candidate. Um, I've got a lot of disagreements with Bob Barr, but that being said, you know, I have disagreements with Ron Paul as well. There are things about Ron Paul's issues and uh, positions that, that I don't agree with 100% as a libertarian, his position on borders and uh, things like that, and also the, uh, you know, uh, abortion issue. But um, that being said, you know... Yeah, but Ron Paul's think- disagreements you can count on one hand. With Bob Barr, I mean, there's there's so much to say. I mean, there's there's a website out there called Bad Barr that outlines several of his disagreements, and they're they're pretty big issues. I mean, at least on the abortion thing, Ron Paul is uh, he doesn't want the federal government to be involved. So even on and even on his immigration stance, he would still insert kind of liberty themes in that he would suggest that without welfare, immigration wouldn't be an issue, and with a, with a more free market situation, we would want more immigrants here, and so. Uh, you know, even Bob, uh, excuse me, Ron Paul, when you look at his 1988 position on immigration, it was pure libertarian at that point. So, if anything, he probably still holds the same position, but was simply politically uh, afraid to come out with a, a true libertarian position for lack of, or for fear uh, that he would lose votes. It's also more pragmatic because I think he realizes that if you just had open immigration without addressing the welfare problem, you'd be discrediting the whole concept. And I think what you're dealing with there is a pure libertarian in Ron Paul's form who's essentially watered down his message a little bit in order to get more but votes and support. not by much. I mean, you're talking about... Not by much, but compared to Bob Barr, right. who is not at all a libertarian, who's attempting to appear as though he's a libertarian in order to get more votes. So I think that they're two complete opposites as far as how they're coming at this particular uh, election. You know, I, I can agree with you to some extent, but um, even so, Bob Barr, you got to admit, is he, he's definitely a, a smaller government guy than the Bush administration. It'd but, be hard not to be. Uh, but, but you know, he's voting for he's definitely in favor of a less powerful government when you compare him to Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or John McCain. Yeah, right? but that's what the Republican okay. Party is for. <laughs> is for That's slightly right. smaller government. Uh, I really do think I agree with you that. So you you would you would say that Bob Barr's positions are identical to the Republican Party's positions? I would say that's that, not true. They're selecting John McCain as their candidate. I know they are, but I know individuals in at least in New Hampshire GOP that are probably more libertarian than Bob Barr and don't claim to be. I mean, Bob Barr. I I originally felt the way you did, saying, well. He has a checkered past. It sounds like he's making up for it. I simply don't believe him. He's only been in the LP for like two a year, year, a year or like two, that. and he was basically he took some of the worst positions as as a libertarian looking at it that he could have taken on. Uh, I mean, he voted for the uh, Iraq War. He, I believe, he authored the Defense of Marriage Act, which was centralizing federal power. And I just he's been a drug warrior, hardcore drug yeah, warrior. I I can agree right. that. Oftentimes, but you guys are acting. You guys are acting like he's going to get elected. And no, I'm not acting elected, like that. He's going to re- reverse these positions. I'm not and acting like not that at all. That, no, who really but, thinks? Who besides Bob Barr thinks he's actually going to get elected? He was on Fox News the other day saying he's in it to win it. Well, he's well let's to be clear. That. Bob Barr doesn't believe he's going to be elected. The, doesn't he? You know, I don't know. 
He's well, claiming he, he he's claiming he thinks he can get elected, whereas Harry Brown never would have said something like okay, that. Okay, so what what did Ron Paul say every time he was asked about his electability? I don't know. What did he say? He was there to win. Every time he was asked about his electability, he said, "You know, I'm running to win." He said that he he was running and that uh, the American people would decide. Okay. Yeah. So, that's, so what's that's no different? What, what is it that what you're getting at? What what? halfway respectable political candidate runs and says there's no possible way yeah. I'm going to win. I do have to I'm agree. running I, for the fun of, of running. I don't think any and, of the Libertarian nominees at the, throughout history have really thought they were going to win. They, yeah, but you say but, that because... But as it, a political candidate, you would say But that. I don't think right. anyone here... Point, you suggested... I, I to make one more... If I could just make one more uh, point but before, because I don't want to run out of time before I say this. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was if there's a ballot initiative to reduce taxes just by 1% or 2%, are you going to say that as a libertarian you're not going to vote for a 1% or 2% reduction because you don't believe that the government has the power to, to tax in the first place? No, but, I, I'm going to take what I can get. I'm going to vote for it. But that doesn't mean you call it libertarian. I wouldn't call the, the fair tax proposal a libertarian proposal. I, might, I wouldn't vote for fair tax. I would vote for a 10% reduction in income tax, but I wouldn't say that, well, the, the thing I just voted for is the place I'm trying to get to. And that's the difference. I would vote for it because it's an improvement. But when you have a candidate who's running as the, the nominee for the Libertarian Party for the office of president, they're at least supposed to communicate. I, I'm not saying that the purists so, in the so party have it right, but they have to communicate I, the ideas of liberty. That's what I wanted to get at, Dan, was you well, suggested... Hold on a second, Dan. You suggested oh, that, that we were believing Bob Barr was going to win or whatever. That's how we were talking. No, I don't think anyone in this room believes that for a moment. So we're not, we're not concerned that he's going to win and implement all these anti-freedom policies. The concern is he's pretending to be a libertarian, and people that come across his message will be confused about what libertarianism is, and they might believe that, they're, you know, that they like the ideas when, in fact, that's not an accurate portrayal of what liberty is, and so we're confusing people, we're muddying the term ever further than it's ever been muddied, and that's the biggest problem with the Barr campaign, and he's not a good representative for our ideas. It, it also causes people to, because he was quoted as saying that the people, the libertarians, need a real conservative. So they're trying to muddy the libertarians with the conservatives, that and the same conservatives crap, have yeah. been thoroughly well, I mean, discredited that, right now. That, that's like saying that Ron Paul is muddying the Republican Party by espousing positions that aren't neocon. Right, that's a good thing. When 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 conservatives or Republicans are trying to claim libertarianism and they're trying to say that free markets and, you know, just freedom is at the core of what they believe, you're moving the conservatives in a libertarian position. At least, you know, you're getting them to think those thoughts and they generally you'll see political ideas follow that line of thinking. When you have the libertarians starting to say, you know, we're moving towards the Republicans, we're conservatives, you're moving away from liberty. It's you're so moving... dangerous because it's going to alienate anybody that's considered, uh, you know, a left libertarian, anybody that's come from... Or just a libertarian, libertarian. Or just a libertarian, sure. The 1984 Republican platform was very libertarian when Reagan was in office, even though they didn't follow through with it. Dan, thanks for the call and the commentary. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You can take control. Sorry, man. You're not going to be able to get real libertarians to get behind this bar character. He's a joke. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, They include the updates. Uh, You can get signed up. We will keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. And meet Jason Osborne in person at the SACL CAI Fun Tent at the upcoming Pork Fest. Jason. He is the man. We do like Jason Osborne. He is the uh, the power behind the Liberty Movement, behind the Liberty Media. Uh, he sponsors Free Talk Live and the Ridley Report. And, you know, you need to go after him, Nick. Get him on board for, uh, for Free Minds TV. Been thinking about it. <laughs> He's got money to burn. You know, we were talking about something during... Uh, during the break uh, about when you were saying the reason why you were here. And I'd like you to just bring that up on the air because I thought it was pretty compelling. Well, I, I'm here because one of my missions in life is to promote freedom and liberty. And, and the, it really distresses me to see how people in America and even around the world have forgotten what that means. They see it. It's a word. Politicians use it when it's, it's politically convenient. But it doesn't mean anything anymore to a lot of people. They, it's just a word. The Statue of Liberty is just a thing. It's just a statue. Well, mm. what does it mean? Tourist attraction. It's a tourist attraction. And I'm here because I, I, I have kids, and I'm going to have grandkids someday, and I want them to live in a free place where they're not slaves or serfs, where they're, where they're free and they're happy and they're free to uh, pr- uh, prosper and, and develop themselves as they see fit. And I don't care about the money. I'm here because I care about freedom. I have to feel, I have to say I feel the same way. I mean, I'm at a point in my life where, you know, a lot of people would ask me, "Well, Ian, why do you why do you do this? Why don't you pay federal why do you get on the radio and say you don't pay federal taxes?" Well, why do I do well, all the things I do was because I have the same feeling. I I freedom is the is my priority. It's it's what I'm looking for in life. I want to maximize my liberty in my lifetime and I will turn all of my resources toward achieving that because unlike you, Wayne, at this point, I don't have kids. I've got a vasectomy, so I'm not going to have any unexpected kids, that's for sure. So I can focus ever the more of my uh, my resources and my time on advancing liberty in our lifetime because it seems so imperative to me. I don't want to end up in a gulag somewhere, and I don't want to end up less free than I currently am, but I understand that if I do nothing or that I hope that someone else will take care of it for me somewhere else in Washington, D.C. or whatever, if I just sit back and allow others to take care of liberty, then I'll get what I've gotten, and that's more restrictions and less freedom. So that's not a road I want to go down. And so therefore, yes, that means I do have to put things on the line. Yes, that does mean I have to take risks. Yes, that does mean that there's a possibility that, you know, armed goons could kick in a door some night when we're on the air. It's all a possibility, but it's all a risk that I'm willing to take because I understand that eventually that's the road we're going down anyway. So why not focus on this? Why not spend my time and my life promoting these pro-freedom, pro-liberty ideas? It's been a blast so far, and it just keeps keeps getting better so this is great and it's it's like i said before i mean I, I live in a beautiful place with amazing people around here these are the best activists out there i've got a wonderful girlfriend and i i own my own house life is good 
I've got nothing better to do at this point than what I'm doing right now. It's what I've been doing for the last several years, but now I'm in an even better financial position to be doing this. So I get money coming in. It goes, it buys new equipment for the show and goes to promote the show, like with the AMP program. And what else am I going to do with it, right? That's right. I, I see, from my point of view, Ian, I see Free Talk Live for you and Marcus being a, a real win-win situation because when you can create a job for yourself where you that you love to do, that's really congruent with your mission in life, then there's nothing better. It's not work. It's play. That's How could you ask for more than that? Now, Nick, you are uh, one of the younger members of the Free Talk Live crew, and you also do Free Minds TV and Free Minds Radio, which is available at freemindstv.com. And I understand, because uh, I was listening live yesterday, that you also registered freemindsradio.com, which I think was a good move. Well, yeah, we were more concerned... Well. It's Free Minds Radio is the podcast side, and the, the TV side is still on hiatus. It looks like we might be working some things out with that, but we didn't want to confuse people who were listening to the podcast, sure. so it redirects to freemindstv.com, and we thought someone else might get the idea of registering the yeah. domain and trying to get us to buy it off them. It's so. cheap, 10 bucks. but yeah. but you're doing a lot of activism, but you're not. Uh, it's not your primary job. I mean, you haven't been doing it for five or six years or whatever, because it took us a long time to start making money at this. Uh, so it's not yet your primary job to host a television show. In the meantime, you're a realtor in the, the Keene area. Have you seen any fallout as far as uh, potential uh, customers that you, that you know for a fact that you might have lost because you're Nick from television? I haven't lost any. I've gained some because... I've you know worked with the Free State Project and people know me from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've you know I wouldn't know of anyone I don't think because generally yeah I've never had I've never lost anyone I've never called anyone on the phone and introduced myself and had them say oh you do the TV show and oh. no thanks. So it's pretty cool that you could be involved in something that could be perceived of as radical and at the same time be also involved in the marketplace and still have enough business to make a comfortable life for yourself. Oh yeah, and you know, I when I talk, I've talked with my boss about these ideas, and he's not completely on board with everything. But they never start that a, way. Yeah, but he's a pro liberty guy. I mean, he was talking about uh, the Austrian School of Economics, so you know, it's it's surprising. I think uh, there's a lot of positive feedback we've gotten doing the show because we do run into people who recognize us, not necessarily yeah. in business, but in the supermarket. Uh, here How often Keene. does that happen to you? Just out of curiosity. Um, it, we haven't been. It happened to me a few times. It really? seemed like Toby got recognized yeah. a lot more. But that could be because I I work in Winchester, so it's a town outside of Keene, mm-hmm. and I've been living outside of Keene, so it's not like I was just walking around in Keene. Sure. Um, and he's been was, on longer than you as well, so he's probably yeah. a little more established. Yeah, So, but it happened to him quite a bit. Like It got to the point where he would wear a hat and sunglasses. <laughs> if he didn't feel really? Like, in Hanford, uh, yeah, he would do that, because wow. sometimes he'd have people start talking to him and... He needed to shop. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, what was that expression uh, that saying that uh, Mel Gibson used to say that being famous is like walking around with a skunk on your head? <laughs> really? No, I didn't know yeah. that one. It was a profound statement. It's one of the reasons I like radio. Relative, relatively anonymous, unless I'm walking around with a Free Talk Live jacket on, and even even then, you don't know who I am. So, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So you feel comfortable then doing what you're doing with the level of activism that you're doing, which is relatively high, and I think it could be. Ex- I think that could be an example to somebody who's out there who's concerned that 
well, what if I what if I feel consequences for my activism? I don't, you know, I don't want to really put it all on the line. I'm I'm worried. Well, about yeah, that. and you know, I'm not involved with the civil disobedience side. That's an area where it would cause problems to me. I can't really sure. afford to be in jail. Uh, you kind of have to have that makes sense. You got to pick your battles. You got to be in a unique position to be able to do that in a way that doesn't significantly disrupt your life financially. Um, but yeah, I don't. I really don't think, especially for people who say work at a job. I mean, if you have a trade skill or you work in retail, I really don't think it's going to have that big of an effect on you. I mean, yeah. y- your boss probably, they don't care what you do in your free time. I mean, some places drug tests, but other than that, they your free time's your free time. And I really don't think there's been any kind of a backlash against free staters. Maybe in a couple instances, you might run into someone who, if they knew you were a project member, maybe they wouldn't hire you. But I think that's pretty rare. I think you're more likely to have a positive business um, development with somebody because you're a Free State Project member or just because that somebody who's pro-liberty, who's already in the state, I think you're more likely to see an upside to your activism than a downside. That's been what I've seen. Right. As as somebody who is visible, and many people aren't, you know, they come in and they just simply make relationships with the people around them, and then maybe eventually they'll reveal that they came here as part of the Free State Project. That's kind of a, a smooth way to uh, to get on the ends with, with the people in, in your life. And everybody's got – not everyone has to do civil disobedience, and not everyone has to, you know, has to do politics. That's the coolest thing about our movement – And it's also one of the most confusing things to the status from what we've seen is that it's totally decentralized. There's no central authority that we're going to to say, okay, Wayne, you need to be on Free Talk Live on Wednesday nights, and uh, then uh, you over there, you need to work on this website. There's nobody that's handing out orders like that. And so it's confusing to the status who've said things like, well, I think what the problem with your organization is there's not enough leadership. No, that's what's great. Everyone's a leader. Just like the Ron Paul campaign. Exactly like that and it's getting bigger and it's getting more more fun more exciting as time goes on more coming up about gas this is free talk live this is free talk live we only have moments remaining but just enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231 sickle cai toll free line ian here with you and nick and wade join us online at freetalklive.com all the features there are free uh, so enjoy them on us freetalklive.com if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, whether it's used or new, in 41 categories, you can shop in with uh, free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of stuff. Start your experience at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage. From the Associated Press, we mentioned this earlier and never actually got into the article. Brent Saba just dropped a church group off at Philadelphia International Airport on Sunday morning, and he was heading north on Interstate 95 when it happened. His 15-passenger van ran out of gas. Saba, a 24-year-old church pastor, made it to the shoulder and waited more than 30 minutes for someone to stop and lend him a cell phone. Then he waited a while longer for AAA to arrive with fuel. With gas prices hovering at $4 a gallon, motorists like Saba are putting less fuel in their tanks, and then they're coming up empty when they're on the highway. Though national statistics on out-of-gas motorists don't exist, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence that drivers unwilling or unable to fill her up are gambling by keeping their tanks extremely low on fuel. In the Philadelphia area, where the average price for a gallon of regular broke $4 on Friday, calls from out-of-gas AAA members doubled between May 2007 and May 2008 from 81 to 161, according to the Auto Club. Uh, According to... The technician uh, that helped Saba, he says the number one reason is they can't stretch their money out week to week. 
Some of them are embarrassed. They say, I was trying to make it till Friday, and they couldn't do it, said Siley, who's assisted numerous out-of-gas motorists. He blames himself for not paying enough, or the uh, motorist blames himself for not paying enough attention to the fuel gauge, saying he doesn't normally let the tank get so low, but he said the spiraling cost of gas has led his church to reduce the use of the fuel-guzzling van. And when he does get gas, he puts in only half a tank. He says if the prices were lower, I'd probably just fill her up. And it, that is economics at work, isn't it? If it's cheaper, you buy more of it. But in the case of a gas tank, if you run out of gas, then it inconveniences you to the point of where you then have to pay in order to get – you have to pay more in order to get your tank filled up. So this does not seem to be a good risk to take for drivers. Well, I mean, if you had a gallon gas can or something, that would get you home. But That's true. I mean, if that's what you have to do. And, you know, there was an article a few weeks ago talking about how a lot of people want to get smaller cars – but they're so upside down on their SUVs, they can't do it. It's not worth the money. can't afford it. Yeah, it's cheaper to buy the gas than to spend the extra money to buy the new small car. Um, but what really bothers me most about this is that for a long time, we, I don't think we've been totally aware of what the real cost of, of oil and gasoline are because a, a percentage of our tax dollars go to the military budget to defend the oil in the Middle East. How can you and tell? We see that. Yeah, you couldn't possibly calculate it, right? But, but it gives the market the fal- false signals. It, yeah. So that. See, oil has to be at a certain price before before alternatives become economically feasible. But when you make it look like oil, or, or it appears that oil is cheaper than it really is, um, then we're caught with our pants down now because now you've People got, make the wrong moves based the on the, wrong, the inaccurate information. Exactly. So right now, uh, the worldwide demand is about 87 million barrels of, of oil a day, and they can only supply 85 million barrels a day. And, and, of course, they have to make up the shortfall by using ethanol and, and using a third of the corn crop to produce ethanol. Mm. Which and, raises the cost of all kinds of food yes. and everything else. And, and, and higher oil prices also raise food costs because right. tractors run on diesel and, and gasoline. And, and our food is largely distributed by, by tractor-trailer sure. trucks. I mean, That's why food, everything goes up. Yep. Food in the United States is largely, if you go to the grocery store, most of what you buy, even as produce, came from probably California or somewhere... Probably more than a thousand miles away. A good amount of the stuff. That every you buy. product. I mean, every product. Not just food, but a television set's going to go up in price. It's not going to be a whole lot, but it's going to go up because that's freight that's going over across, you know, thousands of miles. But the good news now is the free market is starting to intervene here because you're seeing more stories about people creating gardens. Like out west, they're taking suburbs and and, and tilling up the lawns and making gardens in, in whole entire neighborhoods. And uh, you'll see railroads become more popular again, too, and, and more useful. You know, uh, Wayne, I don't know if, you've, uh, if we have time for all of it, but you had some interesting information. Speaking about government numbers that are inaccurate, the gas prices are certainly inaccurate. Sure. You had said you had a, a story about someone who was revealing that many of these government numbers that so many people take as, you know, truth are not so much. That's true. There's an economist out of Oakland named John Williams, and, and he runs a website called Shadow Stats. Uh, or shadow government statistics. It's shadowstats.com. Hmm. And he, it's a subscription-based service. It's $175 a year. But it's, ve- it's becoming very, very popular because a lot of people really don't buy the government numbers anymore. For example, the unemployment numbers. Uh, they don't include people who g- have given up finding a job or take a job uh, for half the pay in, in Walmart when they were working in a factory making $25 an hour before in an auto plant, for example. And, oh, interesting. And then, of course, you've got the inflation figures, too. Now, they've, they've redefined how they, uh, they measure inflation several times since the 70s. Hmm. And if you go back to the way they used to measure it in the 70s, it was more honest. Didn't and, they put food in there back in the, the 70s? Yes. It was much more uh, – it wasn't completely honest, but it was much more honest than it is today. 
and he basically deciphers those numbers and shows what the numbers should be hmm. based on um, with all, without all these. Uh, for example, I'll give you an example. In, in inflation, they have these hedonic adjustments, they call them, where they basically um, say, okay, well, you're gonna, you'll be eating hamburger now instead of steak. So they make it look, they were able to fudge the numbers and make the inflation on steak look lower than it really is. Um, and then, of course, uh, you've got the unemployment figures. They've got the birth-death model that they use, which is a total fabrication, which manufactures fake jobs to make the numbers not look as bad on the, on the, on the night, nightly news. Hmm. So he basically debunks all this, and he's been called certain names by the mainstream media over the years, but he's actually been proven right uh, most of the time. Interesting. And what was the website? It's shadowstats.com. But you can't get anything for free, huh? Yeah, there's a few things on there. There's, a, there's some headline stories and, and so on. He gets interviewed a lot by, uh, by radio stations and uh, podcasts. And uh, you, you can, if you look him up, uh, John Williams, Shadow Stats, you'll, you'll find a lot of, of articles by him that you can get for free. And generally, the, the viewpoint is things are much worse than they seem, right? Because Correct. Because if the government's claiming one thing, you might as well just disbelieve it on its face. It's the government, Sure. They've no, they've no reason to be honest with you. Well, they have a reason to be dishonest. For, yeah. For example, if you're on a on a fixed income, let's say you're you're on Social Security, if the inflation rate is is, is reported accurately, they have to pay you more money mm-hmm. for cost of living increases, and and so when you have this stealth inflation, even if you're working a job in the private sector, you know um, what happens there is that wages don't keep up with the real inflation rate because nobody really knows what it is. The right. average person doesn't know what that is, and therefore. Uh, the price of gasoline gangs up on you as well as all the other things around you to make it very tough to, to make ends meet. And that's what's happening now. You're seeing it all come home to roost now. Right, because, and it was something you touched on earlier, because Americans have so much debt that when these other prices that they were barely able to afford before these other products go up in price, then they're priced out of the marketplace and they're still trying to service their debt at the same time. What do, what do you do? You've got mouths to feed and you have to make debt payments. I mean, that, that's a tough spot to be in. But they all, they all put themselves there, which goes back to the government education system and the fact that the government education system doesn't teach kids financial intelligence. It doesn't teach you anything about how to handle money. Except that there's evil businessmen out there and you know, businesses are evil. And then they, of course, they get out of school and they're, if, if you hire them, some of them, if, if they've been taught that, are not good workers and they maybe even sabotage your business because they think you're evil because you're a businessman. There, yep, there's that factor and then there's also the entitlement mentality, the idea that, well, I, I've got a job and now it's mine. Or, what? How dare you uh, give that person a promotion? I've been here longer. Or I have the right to health care. That, that's there too, sure. And so there's just so much damage that's been done. I just, it could get worse. It is going to get worse. The question is how fast. The other problem with these statistics is when you understate inflation, you're overstating economic growth. So when they say that the economy grew 1% last quarter, baloney. Because when you, when you take the real rate of inflation, you know, you're looking at the nominal numbers rather than the real numbers. And then the economy is really shrinking, but they can make it look like it's growing by understating inflation. Interesting. Right. If you have 10% inflation every year and you see 10% economic growth, there's no real growth in the economy. It's right. just, it's all it's inflation. There's just more money. But that doesn't mean there's more productivity. See, the, the perception of inflation makes it worse, just like the perception of a lack of economic growth makes things worse. And so the, the mass psychology of the economy is affected. So they're always trying to manage that. 
So, so there's also a self-fulfilling prophecy role where you're saying, yes. for instance, I was looking at the ABC News. The headline here is uh, more run on empty as gas prices rise. But above that, hitting home, the economic squeeze. So sort of talking about how it's an inflation or talking about how it's, uh, it's a bad economy gets people to believe that it's a bad economy. And, and it may really be a bad economy, but at the same time, you're then reinforcing that mentality in people. It makes it worse. Yes, exactly. What a nightmare. Nightmare. It has been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Wayne. We will return. You can join us tomorrow night uh, right here, same time, same place, and free online, of course, at freetalklive.com. Mark is out all week long. Uh, He won't be back until Monday. I don't think so. Quite a while until we hear from Mark again. I think, uh, Nick, you're going to be back later this week, as as well as you, Wayne. So lots yes, of co-host action this week. And you can get us online, uh, of course, as always, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.